Welcome to the Next Level Human Podcast. As a human, you have a job to do. In fact, you have four jobs. To earn and manage money, to attain and maintain health and fitness, to build and sustain personal relationships, to find meaning and make a difference. None of these jobs are taught in school. And that is what this podcast is designed to do. To educate us all on living our most fulfilled lives through the mastery of these four jobs. I'm your host, Dr. Jade Tita, and I believe we are here living this life for three reasons and three reasons only. To learn, to teach, and to love. In this podcast, I will be learning, teaching, and loving right along with you. I'm grateful to have your company. Here's to our next level. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to today's show. Today, we're going to be getting back to uh, natural health and specifically nutrition. And one of the most important elements of nutrition uh, in my way of seeing it. I want to start out by giving you a little bit of a framework that I use to look at uh, nutritional elements that I think I may have covered in past episodes. I'm not entirely sure, but a little bit of review never hurt anyone. So, Here's the way that uh, I think is useful to be looking at uh, nutrition. And specifically, when I think about nutrition, I think about a good nutritional regime is going to be one that helps us attain or maintain optimal body composition. And I choose all those terms for a reason, because we don't just want weight loss, right? You can lose any old kind of weight. What we want is to optimize our fat mass versus our muscle mass. So we want to be in a healthy body fat range, right? So a good nutritional regime for someone is going to be something that actually helps them attain fat loss, optimal body composition, and or maintain this lower body fat, this healthy lower body fat. So that's the first thing that it really should do. Now, in order for it to do that and to be sustainable over the long run, it really should Make sure that it reduces what I think is the most important thing, the most overlooked thing when we talk about nutrition, hunger. Obviously, if you are hungry and you are having cravings all the time, which I tend to do often, uh, what ends up happening is you cannot achieve the calorie deficits or the hormonal balance required for optimal body composition. So in a sense, one of the things we're mainly trying to manage when we are looking at nutrition is hunger and cravings. I mean, isn't this true? Even if you eat good all week long, clean, lower calorie, nutrient dense meal, and then on the weekend you binge on alcohol and pizza and burgers and get these huge caloric excess sort of states, you can actually wipe out everything you did previously. And why do we tend to do that? For many reasons, but for for a lot of people, and perhaps I would say most, I think it's most, what happens is they lose control of their hunger. And so they overeat specifically, usually, late at night in the Western world and on the weekends. And so if there is a way that we can control hunger, that makes everything sustainable. Because let's face it, anyone can lose a little bit of weight or fat for a time. Just have a little bit of willpower. Put in a week or two. You'll lose some weight, but can you sustain it? Most people, almost no one can. And that is the issue um, when we're talking about attaining and maintaining weight loss. Now, 
At the same time, right, we don't want to just look at weight loss. It is one marker of health. It's not the marker of health. And so obviously, we don't just want to look good. We want to feel good as well. We want to function better and we want to live longer. So in addition to uh, having a nutritional regime that controls hunger, we also want a nutritional regime that is very nutrient dense, don't we? Right. So we want to get good quality nutrition into our body. And this is one thing where the nutrition research just does not serve us at all because it's very difficult to do long-term studies over a person's lifetime to make an assessment about how important nutrients are over the long term. They actually call this in the research long latency diseases. Anything that kind of comes up over a long period of time is kind of theoretical because we wouldn't know. We wouldn't know like, okay, I'm not I'm only getting marginal amounts of zinc for 30 years. How does that impact cardiovascular health and cancer and things like that? These are kind of unknowns because we simply can't do randomized controlled studies that last that long. Certainly, we can make some inferences on population studies and things like that, but we can't do these randomized controlled studies in this way. But I think we would all agree, and I think most experts in nutrition would agree, we need to have nutrient-dense foods. And this is pretty easy to do. It's not not super easy, but it's fairly easy to do because if we eat whole foods, uh, vegetables and fruits and uh, you know uh, proteins and you know beans and legumes and vary our diet from whole sources, we pretty much can get a pretty nutrient-dense diet. Now, in addition to that, in addition to controlling hunger, in addition to having a nutrient-dense diet, we really need to, if we're going to look good, feel good, function better, and live longer, we need to control calories. One of the most inflammatory aging things that you can do is overeat calories day in and day out, week in and week out, month in and month out, year in and year out. We have to be able to not overeat. And so we do want low-calorie diets. So to me, these are the three things that I think are most important. Control hunger, nutrient density, and uh, this sort of idea of lowering calories. If I had to add a fourth, if I was sort of pushed, I would say the fourth thing is to actually control the palatability, the hedonistic aspects of foods. These things, these elements of foods that make us overeat. But of course, that goes back to hunger and that goes back to calories. So you can, as you can see, there's really one thing that takes care of multiple elements here, and this is controlling hunger. So really, we could say control hunger, eat a nutrient-dense diet, and you're going to be um, really doing yourself a service in terms of looking good, feeling good, functioning better, and living longer. Now, the question then is, how best to do this? Now, this is a tough uh, a really tough conversation to have because the truth is we have no idea. And what I mean by that is that if I take an individual and, uh, you know, look at them, I don't really know which elements, carbohydrates, fats, or proteins are going to be most satiating, most hunger suppressing for them because we do vary. This is one of the issues with science in general. It is a tool for averages. It's not a tool for individuals. You hear me say that all of the time. This is where it can kind of lead us astray, but it also can get us very much in the ballpark, right? We, averages do matter. Most people will fall into particular categories. And so we know an awful lot about what controls hunger. And the most important elements based on the science, and please understand I'm not coming at this from looking at the latest blog or podcast or guru who wrote a book. I'm simply looking at the science, which 
can change. That's the nature of science. But based on what we know currently, the consensus says there are three primary elements that control hunger better than any other elements. And I use the acronym PFW for these three things, protein, fiber, and water. I know a lot of people would say, well, I thought fat was satiating. You might be surprised to know that at least in the general research, the consensus in the research for average individuals is that fat is the least satiating of all the macronutrients. First comes protein, then comes fiber-based carbohydrates, and then there's sort of a um, argument in the research about which is next. Is fat or regular carbohydrates, right? But we know that fiber-based carbs and protein control hunger better. So in the research, they talk about satiety and satiation, right? Short-term hunger suppression and long-term hunger suppression. So how fast you feel full, how full you feel after a meal, and how long you stay full, protein, fiber, and water are the big things here. They've even done studies where they've taken individuals and they've given them free access to food and had them drink a liter of water about 30 minutes prior to that. And then a liter of water uh, five minutes prior to that, or a protein shake or um, some chicken breast a few minutes prior, and then see how these things actually suppress uh, hunger in- intake or um, post-snack feeding. Basically, this idea that if I give you something to eat just before you eat, can I decrease the total amount you normally would have eaten? So I know that can be a little bit confusing, so I'll just walk you through it real quick. So let's say I give you a protein shake that is 200 calories prior to you eating dinner. And you take that 200 calorie protein shake 30 minutes before you eat dinner. And then you eat dinner. And as a result of having that 200 calorie protein shake, let's say you normally would have consumed a thousand calories without the protein shake, but now you might consume only 700 calories. That actually shows a benefit. And this is what we actually see oftentimes with what they call protein, fiber, and water preloads uh, in these studies. And there's other ways they've studied this as well, but these are the elements that it looks like are the most important elements. Now, actually, you might say, well, Jay, this is great news. You've just given me the formula. This will help my hunger. I can walk off and just do a a great deal with this, right? Well, actually, no, because think about this a little bit. Protein and fiber-based foods are very difficult to travel with, aren't they? I mean, unless you want to carry around Tupperwares, which many people in the health and fitness world do with their chicken breasts and their Brock steamed broccoli and walking around with that stuff, it's very difficult to have protein sources and fiber sources that travel along with you and that are also tasty. Unless you have a love of nibbling on raw broccoli and cold chicken breasts, right? And so in a sense, this can be more difficult. Not only that, think about how easy it is to come home and to make something or reach into the cabinet and grab some chips or whatever, or to make some pasta. You just boil some water, you make the pasta. And how much more difficult it might be to season and marinate some chicken breast and then grill them up or cook them up or something like that. So protein and fiber also are mu- take much more prep time for us as well. And so Water is pretty easy, right? And you can see that one of the behaviors that most people who live the health and fitness lifestyle, and me included, I don't drink nearly enough water, but when I'm doing my best and I am drinking water, it makes a huge difference for me. Sometimes I have, oftentimes ask myself, why the hell don't you do this on a regular basis? You know it makes a big difference for you. Water's pretty easy, uh, but 
Does cause, just because it's easy doesn't mean we always do it. But protein and fiber can definitely be more uh, uh, difficult to get. So I want to talk a little bit about how we get these elements in to our diet and even how much. So let's first talk a little bit about protein. Protein can be one of the most convenient things you can do with protein is to get yourself protein shakes, protein powders. These would be things like whey protein shakes, pea protein shakes, uh, you know, casein protein, which is the other uh, protein component of milk. Uh, we have hemp, we have rice, we have soy proteins. And the truth of the matter is that most of these do fairly well. But when it comes to hunger, the ones that seem to be the best seem to be casein and pea protein on sort of the vegan side. Um, whey protein comes in maybe third or so, and there is some, a lot of argument here. So some people say, well, Jade, I have a research study that shows soy is better, and I don't doubt that you do. But over the consensus that I've seen, casein is probably a little bit better for, for hunger suppression and about the same as pea. And then the rest sort of fall in line um, behind that. And of course, there's palatability issues and things like that. But this is one of the very easy uh, things that you can do. Now imagine uh, having a slight um, sort of fiber supplement or something that you can throw in there. And most of the time or oftentimes, some of these protein meal replacements will add fiber into the protein. Now, let's make a distinction here between protein powder, pure protein powder, versus a meal replacement shake that is mostly protein. Of course, if it's just pure protein powder, then you're going to look on the label and it's going to say zero grams of fat or one or two grams of fat, maybe zero grams or only one or two grams of carbs, and then 20-some grams or 30 grams of protein. A protein powder is going to be almost all protein, 99% protein, basically, or 95% protein. A protein replacement shake, a meal replacement shake, is going to have protein, it's going to have carbohydrates, and it's going to have fat. It's a meal replacement. And so one of the things you want to keep in mind is that the protein shake versus the meal replacement, the meal replacement may actually suppress hunger more, but then it adds also way more calories. And so one of the things we're always trying to do is we're trying to maximize hunger with the minimum amount of calories. And so you want to think about that when you're choosing your protein sources. This is why something like a chicken breast versus a chicken thigh and a chicken breast without the skin on might be better from the hunger and calorie perspective, balancing those two things, than chicken with the skin on uh, and uh, you know darker types of meat that tend to be more fatty. Now, at the same time, of course, I understand there's variations for all of us in what we like. Maybe you don't like um, the chicken breast, so it's not going to leave you satisfied. But you can see that we're always playing this game back and forth between protein and sort of calories and the hunger suppressing aspect and the lower calorie aspects of things. Now, when it comes to fiber, this is actually some good news here. It's just that most fiber sources are not very pleasant to eat. So obviously, you can get fiber fairly easily through vegetables. But not a lot of people love vegetables without smothering and covering it in cheeses and high-calorie dressings and things like that. So one of the things you can do to make sure you're getting um, fiber, and by the way, another discussion here regarding fiber, whole grains certainly have more fiber, totally speaking, than maybe vegetables do, than a cup of vegetables. However, again, whole grains also have way more carbs and way more calories. 
And so, again, your best bet in terms of hunger suppression with minimal calories and nutrient density, like we talked about before, is going to be vegetables. And then when you're eating these vegetables, one of the easiest ways to do this, by the way, is to do really big salads. Imagine if you just committed to, I am going to do one big, huge salad every day or, or one salad with lunch and a salad with dinner. What a difference that could make in terms of your hunger suppression. And then use minimal amounts of calories, perhaps, if uh, I'm sorry, dressings, perhaps, to control calories. Or even better, if you like the vinegar-based dressings, using a what I would call an Italian uh, dressing that is heavier on the vinegar is a really good way to do it. Most of the dressings that you'll get to put on any types of vegetables are going to be very heavy on the oils and light on the vinegars. What you want to do is reverse that. Go very heavy on the vinegars and lighter on the oils. Now, again, there is absolutely nothing wrong with fat. And, and for the most part, I would say eat the fat. Just you know, use the, the dressing that you want. However, if you're really trying to maximize hunger, reduce calories, and get this sort of lean look that many of us are chasing, you're going to want to perhaps pay attention to any extra calories that you're putting on top of this. This is going to, to depend on your goals. So one of the things you want to be doing is looking to make this really convenient for you. Uh, many things that I've done in the past and I've seen other people do, and I'll, I'll, I'll share with you both from my client experience and my personal experience, are things like cut up peppers and celery and things like that that can travel well in Ziploc bags and things like that. These things have very little calories. They also tend to be rich in water. That's why they, when you crunch them, they're crunchy. That's all the water coming out of those cells. And they also tend to have fiber. So if you like things like celery and you like things like um, peppers and you like things that, uh, you know, like cucumbers and all of these kinds of things or pickles, these are the things that you'd want to go to. And they pretty much provide very low calorie, fiber dense, water, uh, you know, sort of adequate snacks when you're getting hungry. Now you combine that with your protein sources and you're getting near this protein fiber water component. Now I know a lot of this is sometimes confusing. So I have a very simple thing that I use to teach people this concept. Some of you may have heard it from past podcasts and it goes like this, soups, salads, scrambles, shakes, and stir fries. Specifically, low carb, low fat, soups, salads, scrambles, shakes, and stir fries. When we have soups, salads, scrambles, shakes, and stir fries without the starch and without the fat, you tend to get a protein, fiber, and water-packed meal. So starting out this conversation, simply spend 90% of the time eating soups, salads, scrambles, shakes. By shakes, I mean protein shakes and stir fries. Another, You could add another one on there and call it skillets, right? So soup, salad, scrambled, shakes, stir fries, and skillets. Problem is stir fries and skillets are roughly the same thing, but you get the point. These are essentially all salads. A soup is a water-based salad. A salad is a salad. A skillet meal or a stir fry is just a hot salad, right? And oftentimes, uh, you know, the shake is just the shake, but you, you get sort of the idea. This makes it very simple. And then the final aspect of this conversation, and we can end this podcast, is the convenience factor. Round this out with protein shakes, protein bars, cut up vegetables. And one of my favorites I'll mention now because they've just become a sponsor of the podcast are things like beef sticks. So many of you have seen things like beef jerkies and beef sticks and things like this. And these things kind of get a bad rap. 
but they are really, really fantastic in terms of they pack well in gym bags and purses, and they tend to be very lean in sort of their uh, fat content oftentimes, and they're very rich in protein. One of the things I'll say here is people might say, but Jade, what about the high sodium content? One of the things you may not know is that when you're eating a lower carb carbohydrate diet, um, what happens is insulin makes you hold on to sodium. Uh, so when you have a lots of carbohydrates and you release insulin, the body makes you hold on to sodium. When you have a lower carbohydrate diet, you can actually take in more sodium. Your body doesn't hold on to sodium the same way. And it actually can be highly beneficial in multiple ways because, again, when you go low carb and insulin levels drop, you can lose things like potassium and sodium and magnesium. And so you oftentimes, your need for these things kind of go back up. So it's kind of a misnomer there that these things are not good for you because of the high sodium. Now, if you're eating a standard American diet and just downing a bunch of sodium on top of that, I would agree. But we're talking about, again, remember, a hunger-suppressing, low-calorie, nutrient-dense diet. The other thing that comes up oftentimes with meat sticks and those kinds of things is this idea of nitrites and nitrates. Just really quickly on the biochemistry here, uh, you know, this is like people get scared of bacon and things like that. You might not be aware, but actually vegetables, if you have a cup of vegetables, it's going to have a huge amount of nitrates in it, way more than you would get from the amount that is on meats and, uh, you know, bacon and things like that. And what it's really actually a great thing. It's a great thing for guys too, by the way, because it's great for erections and I'll explain why. Your oral bacteria and your gut bacteria, when you eat high nitrate foods, it will, change, it will fix that nitrate into nitrite. Nitrite gets absorbed into your body, becomes nitric oxide, and this is penis power basically. This stuff is really good for blood vessels. So for you guys, this is why one of the best things you could do for your erections is eat lots and lots of salads and greens. Now, the Paleo Valley meat sticks are something that I use every day. That's one of the reasons why I'm now working with Paleo Valley. As you know, I've been trying to work with only the companies that I love and I use. They don't put nitrates and nitrites on them at all. One of the things they do that's really interesting, these are grass-fed meat sticks, by the way. They're naturally lower in fat because grass-fed animals are. Grass-fed animals also have the right amounts of omega-3s and omega-6 fats, which is really great. But one of the things they do is they ferment these meat sticks. So in order to preserve them, they don't use nitrites and nitrates. They actually use uh, bacteria, probiotics, to sort of ferment these things. And it gives this really beautiful taste, almost like pemmican, if you've had some of this stuff uh, that the Native Americans uh, used to use on their long sort of journeys. And it actually is very, very good for the gut. And these things are coming in about 70 to 80 calories per meat stick. That's about the amount in a hard-boiled egg, which by the way, that would be a great thing to carry around for with you, but we all know that hard-boiled eggs are a little bit smelly, they're a little bit inconvenient, and not everyone likes a hard-boiled egg. But these meat sticks can be a really good thing in lieu of sort of the protein bars, which I don't have anything against protein bars either. Some of them can be sort of glorified candy bars, but as long as they're suppressing hunger and keeping you in that low-calorie state, I don't see anything wrong with them. I prefer these being sort of my bias, being more on the natural medicine side, but certainly protein bars can do it for you as well. But these Paleo Valley meat sticks are really about 70 to 80 calories, and they're running about eight, seven to eight grams of protein. So you can kind of think about this very much like an egg. So two of these as a snack, one of these as a snack, this is the kind of thing that can make a huge difference, right? When you're going through your day, 
and you had lunch and you're trying to get to dinner and you're trying to avoid being so hungry that dinner turns into continuous meal and you can have something protein oriented that you've got packed in your car, in your desk at work, in your purse, in your gym bag. These things make a profound difference. Let's face it, if it's not convenient for you, you are not going to do it. So you need to make this lifestyle convenient for you. So check out um, Paleo Valley and they actually, just give me a second because they actually gave me a little link here for everybody, but now I'm forgetting it as I'm doing this. So let me just get it for you for those you want to try them. Okay, it is, uh, you can go to paleovalley.com slash next level. paleovalley.com slash next level. Uh, they are now supporting the podcast. This is something I use all of the time. It is one of my favorite quick protein sources, the 100% grass-fed beef sticks. And actually, I just am going here, and you'll see my face here and just a welcome to this site. So they have a little site here for those of you who want to get them uh, through me, and I hope you'll do that. It'll support the podcast, and it also supports Paleo Valley. And from my perspective, the best thing we can do is take care of our health. But one of the other things that's great about working with these kind of companies is they're doing the right thing for the environment as well. Let me sum up what we talked about today, and then we can end the podcast. Here's the thing that we need to sort of understand. If we're going to attain and maintain fat loss over the long run, body composition, look good, feel good, live longer, function better, we better, we better freaking control our hunger. We have to do that. So while it varies from everyone, uh, we do know some things in the science that work for most people. And those things are going to be protein, fiber, and water. Water is easy. Guess what? Here's what to do. Drink two liters of water at least a day. Don't gulp it. Just sip on it throughout the day, right? Whenever you feel hungry, drink it. See if that takes it off. Right before meals, drink it. First thing in the morning, drink it. Last thing at night, drink it. Water is easy. Water, water, water. Then we go to protein and fiber. These things are a little tougher, but we just talked about all the ways that you can get them. Nothing is wrong with fat or carbohydrate, but when we're doing snacks and things like that, those things are very easy to get. So try to give starch, low starch, low fat protein sources. This is going to be your best bet to keep hunger low and calories low. That's the reason, right? That's that magic thing, balancing hunger suppression with low calories, especially for those of you who are struggling with this. And this is where all these convenience things come in. Cut up vegetables, uh, protein bars, the Paleo Valley meat sticks, and pemmican, and jerky, and hard-boiled eggs. And if you're a Tupperware person, go ahead and bring your chicken breast with you and stuff like that. That's all just fine. But this is where this stuff uh, can come in. Uh, it can be very important. And then don't forget the soups, salads, scrambles, shakes, and stir-fries, and low-fat, low-starch soups, salads, scrambles, shakes, and stir-fries. If you can begin thinking about eating this way, maximizing hunger suppression, maximizing nutrient density, and minimizing calories, this is going to go a long, long way to getting you where you want to go in your body composition. All right, so I hope you enjoyed the show today, and I will see you at the next episode.